Hi, I'm Chief D, and you're listening to A Totally Warranted Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things Chief, from how to become one, to when to retire, and everything in between. In this podcast, we'll discuss topics surrounding your board packet, attending school, life as a warrant officer, and beyond. So grab your favorite beverage and sit back as I take you on the journey of life as a chief. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of A Totally Warranted Podcast. I'm your host, Chief D. In case you missed it, I'm going to share this week's affirmation of the week with you. If you'd like to catch these live on Mondays, you'll need to follow us on Facebook or Instagram so you can receive these notifications. Links in the show notes. This week's affirmation is, my dedication and commitment to my profession is unwavering. I am constantly striving to improve myself and inspire those around me to reach their full potential. As subject matter experts, we should always strive to improve ourselves and our skills. And as we improve, we should be doing our best to bring those around us forward with us. We are still running our reflective journaling stories for the entire month of August. If you'd like to follow them for the opportunity to reflect on your career, you can catch them on Facebook or on Instagram. And if you miss a day, don't worry. The full feed is saved on our Instagram in the highlight folder marked self-reflect. Feel free to go back to it anytime. Last week, we discussed Warren Officer Burnout Prevention and Recovery, where we highlighted tips and tools to help you prevent and recover from the epidemic of burnout. If you haven't listened to that podcast, make sure you check it out. It is a winner. After sitting down and thinking about the affirmation of the week, I realized what I had to make this week's episode about. So today we're talking about impact. The dictionary defines impact as having a strong effect on someone or something. The impact we have as people is one of the biggest things that lead to what people would call our legacy. So what legacy are you leaving behind? With your soldiers, in your organization, in life. Legacy is what lives on after we've separated from a person, location, or organization. It's even what lives on after we've taken our final breath. So I ask you again, what legacy are you leaving behind? All too often, we don't see the impact we're having in the moment we're currently in. Until years later, conversations later, confessionals later. But I encourage you, when you find those moments where you're informed or reminded of the impact that you made, hold them dear and cherish them. Use them as fuel to keep you pressing forward to accomplish your goals. This month, I'll hit 18 years of service. And along that timeline, I've always hoped to make an impact on people, places, and processes. My goal has always been to leave things better than what I found them And coming up, I realized complaining about things doesn't get us anywhere. But the small act of leading by example and being the change that you want to see in the world has surely made me who I am today. My very first mentor was a warrant officer. I don't know if I've ever spoke about her on the podcast, but she's currently a CW4 and still active duty. She is the person who set me on the path to where I am today. Meeting her was one of the most confusing times of my little private life. There we were in Korea, and I'm asking all the questions, trying to figure out why we call her Miss, how she has a drill sergeant badge if officers can't be drill sergeants, 
finding out that she used to be a sergeant first class, it was all mind blowing. No matter the question, Chief always had the answer. She was always calm and poised, but I do remember her telling some people where they could go a time or two. She always made time for my questions and she was the first one to tell it like it is. I remember one day when I was in her office, she told me, Privacy, you're slipping. Okay, what she really said was I was all jacked up. And it was like a knife through my little heart. But that conversation, which I can say still plays in my head today, in that conversation, she just, she didn't just list my flaws. She told me about my strengths and how to improve myself. And she probably without even realizing it, laid a path for me to follow just that quickly. She gave me a roadmap to where I could be if I applied myself. And I used that roadmap to steer my entire career. Leaving her office that day, I vowed to do better and to be better. What she did was leave an impact on me that would last, at this point, about 18 years. Over the years, I've found that I too have managed to leave an impact on the people around me. Never intentionally, and never did I know it in the moment, but they always say that hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So back when I was stationed in El Paso, have you guys ever been there? Freedom Crossing, the PX there, is absolutely amazing. I don't know why the Army hasn't made every PX like that. Anyway, back in El Paso, I was in an infantry battalion. I was actually one of the first 11 females down there, and we were prepping to deploy to Afghanistan. And when I got there, we were on the road to NTC. So in my shop, I was one of two females, which would become one of one females prior to our NTC rotation. Uh, We got another female soldier just before the deployment and a female OIC during the deployment. Anyway. Um, After the deployment, I went to ALC in January of, I believe it was 2014. In October of the same year, I went to SLC. I don't know. Your girl was pretty high speed. Anyway, between my time back at Bliss, I had gotten focused on basic soldier skills, DNC, and just making sure my soldiers were squared away. I was a hands-on NCO. I taught my soldiers anything that I could think of, from how to do their taxes while we were deployed, to showing them the proper way to pay off credit card debt, not those minimum payments. Um, But every time I left town, somebody always ended up getting married. I don't know what that was about. I just assumed they knew what I was going to say if I was there. But regardless, at some point, the soldiers began to complain to my OIC about me. I know you're probably thinking, yeah, that happens. I mean, it confused me, but I'm a firm believer that I can't get better if I don't know what's wrong. So I was very open to sitting down and talking with them about it. So after PT one day, my OIC told the soldiers that we're going to address their concerns. And so I opened up and I let them know that any they could say anything that they needed and nothing would leave the parking lot where we were. I let them know that, you know, I can't fix anything that I don't know about. And so please let me know what's up so that we can we can fix it. Well, go figure. No one had anything to say while I was standing there. So being pretty fed up with the drama, my OIC started rattling off their complaints. And to my surprise, the soldiers began to explain away the issues. It went something like that. 
Hey, private such and such, you said staff's R&D yelled at you, to which the group looks on and the private responds, well, I mean, she doesn't ever really yell. And, and if there is a problem and we do mess something up, she tells us what it is and why it's important and how to fix it so we don't make the mistake again. It literally was impressive to see them be that honest. Little did they know, they would soon be getting a new NCOIC. That day in the circle, I explained to the soldiers that I don't want them to think that I'm punishing them for doing the things that I'm doing, like DNC. I'm doing them to help them because I've been to the courses that they need to go to and I know that we're not ready. And so to be the best NCO that I can be, I have to get them ready. Anyway, I closed out the conversation and I let them know that they're not going to meet many NCOs like me who genuinely care. And I promise them that I am far from mean and that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Lo and behold, a week later, the new NCOIC came and guess what happened? The soldiers hated it. They came to me complaining. They were telling me how things weren't the same, how they used to be. And I let them know that although I empathize with them, change was bound to happen and Then I announced my departure from the unit. The soldiers were a little heartbroken, but I still spoke to them. I moved up to brigade, so I wasn't that far away, Um, but I definitely couldn't change the climate that they were in now. Well, a few months ago this year, one of those soldiers ETSed out of the army from the great place. And he invited me to his unit's farewell where I was pretty much the random chief in the room. I broke bread with his unit. I heard them tell amazing stories about him and his leadership that warmed my heart. And in his speech, he pointed out that the CW2 that no one knows at the table is actually his first NCO. Talk about an impactful moment. He shared a few stories of back in the day at Fort Bliss and him and his wife thanked me for always looking out for him. I'm sure that you have your own story of impacting soldiers deeply without your knowledge. How many years later did you find out? For me, this was eight years later. Um, The impact that you have on the world around you can sometimes be outside of your scope of understanding at the moment. Kind of like the time my seven-year-old daughter and I took on MCOM and got an ETP for her to attend daycare. Little did we know that one action would change the way that the Army does business. To this day, I am amazed at how big of an impact one drill sergeant and her strongly worded emails could accomplish. If you'd like to hear that story, stick around after the outro and I'll tell it. But for now, I'm going to let you go because I want you to focus on the impact you're leaving as you navigate your path. Remember, the impact you leave on people isn't always a positive thing. If you focus on improving people and organizations, you can ensure it is. So that's today's episode. Really short, sweet, and to the point. Impact over intention. If you'd like to show your support, we're selling our acrylic Eagle Rising keychains for $5 each with the proceeds going to supporting podcasting expenses. Thanks for listening all the way through this episode. And as I close, I need you to remember to stay motivated, keep pushing forward, and that your dedication as a warrant officer 
is totally warranted. Don't forget, if you want to hear the story about the army policy we changed and what it was, stick around after the closing music. You're listening to a Totally Warranted Podcast, a podcast by Chief for Chief. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, would you mind leaving a review? A review lets others know that this podcast is worth their time and will help them on their journey to embodying Chief. We'll see you next time. Oh, good. You're still here. Did I ever tell you I was a drill sergeant before? Lots of stories there, but the one I'm going to share with you is not what you would think. You see, when I was on the trail going into my second year and my first year as a senior drill, my youngest daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. It was a shocker for everyone. It was right before her seventh birthday and it hit us hard. To start, I found out after taking her to the doctor at the request of her school nurse who was noticing a weird pattern of thirst and stomach aches around meals. Well, when we finally were able to get her blood drawn, which was quite the task as she had little baby arms, um, I got back from dropping her off to CYS to finish my day and I got a call from the doctor on my cell phone. He asked me if she was still with me and let me know. I let him know that I had dropped her off and his next words to me were, pick her up right now and take her to the children's emergency room. I'm sending you the address. They're waiting on you. Hurry up. So now I'm a bit panicked. In order to calm my nerves just a little bit, I go inside and I relay the message to my commander and first sergeant. I jump back in my car, leaving my platoon and my unit in the dust. Getting to the hospital, Um, With my daughter, I tell them her name and they walk us straight to the back. There's a room and a bed ready. Um, They begin to explain what's going on. So her blood sugar is 745. For those of you with no reference, for her age, her target blood sugar is about 120. So 745 is well beyond the danger zone. They begin to run tests, give her what would be the first of many doses of insulin Uh, The hospital staff was amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've ever been to a children's hospital, but they were well prepared to keep our spirits up while teaching us what we needed to know. Anyway, realizing that I had to stay at the hospital overnight, I called my battle buddy and he used to be a senior in our company, but had recently moved to become a first sergeant in another. I asked him if him and his wife would mind taking my oldest daughter for a few days, kind of gave him an insight on what was going on. Um, His children and my children went to the same school. They were friends, so it made sense. Um, And like the family that we'd become over the time that we were there in the trail, of course, he said yes. They came by, grabbed my keys, took her home to get some stuff um, so that she'd be ready for the next few days with them. And the impact that that little gesture on their part made for my family to this moment is unforgotten. The next day, after spending the whole day prior and the night in my duty uniform, remember I came straight from the end of a work day, my battle brook, who's now a first sergeant, brought my gym bag from my locker with a change of clothes and some other items over to the hospital. But not only that, she stayed with my daughter watching Teen Titans so that I can go shower, eat, and take a nap. To this day, if she ever calls, I will drop anything. The impact that she had on my family, again, will never be forgotten. Now I'm going to speed up the story a little, um, but after we got out of the hospital, side note, I had to take a test to get her discharged from the hospital. Uh, They needed to know that I could manage her diabetes on my own. Uh, They told us about the test the second day that we were there, so the first full day. 
Um, and we got cleared to go home the afternoon after because I'm a big brain and I study hard. So um, it was definitely one of the shortest initial diagnosis stays for a diabetic child to a non-diabetic parent. So, you know, maybe I should have got a trophy. Anyway, getting back to what I assumed would be normal was pretty impossible. Not only did I now have to wake up in the middle of the night and check her blood sugar as she slept, but I was informed that they had to make accommodations for her to go back to daycare. Um, okay, I guess that's what we need to do then. So during our meeting to discuss what could be done, I felt so disheartened. I was only hearing things that couldn't be done and how no one was actually prepared to help me with anything. I was discouraged and defeated, but in the moment I decided to fight. I let them know at the meeting that what they were telling me, it wasn't okay and it wasn't going to stand. I left with the understanding that in order for her to go back to daycare, every time that she ate there, I would have to come and supervise her insulin delivery or she couldn't attend. Luckily for me, my chain of command and my team were extremely family focused and supportive. This required me to leave work about five times a day during the weekends, two during weekdays, um, nine, times just about if there was an off day from school and overnight Uh, but my team was super supportive on the journey and that's how we made it through the impact that that chain of command has had on me has always been the standard to which I hold my future chain of commands (sighs) all right so let's talk about so let's talk about tired Because your girl was tired, frustrated, and frankly, I was mad. I didn't understand how a federal daycare wasn't ADA compliant. And although I could have backed down and probably flew my mother in and had her stay with us and take care of my daughter, I realized that not everybody had that opportunity. And so I wasn't going to do that. I was going to make them work for this. So I contacted MCOM via the daycare inspector's phone number, right? It seems like they always inspect at the perfect time, but there was a sign on the door when I walked in and I noticed it and I took the number down and I actually called. And when I told him what was going on, um, he told me that he was a little bit made aware of the situation, but not the full scope. And he gave me a point of contact up at MCOM that I could call. Well... Long story short, after seven months, two emails a month, two phone calls a month, uh, following up and letting them know how not receiving the necessary care for my daughter internally to the daycare was affecting my job and my ability to continue to be impactful, uh, it finally paid off. We finally got the response that our ETP was approved and that my daughter would be getting a nurse for her center. I was pretty excited, but I realized we were PCSing. And so I was a little bummed because I was like, man, now we got to do all of that again. But I was assured that the nurse would be requested at the new duty station that we went to. Fast forward through my PCS, I arrived to check in at CYS at my new location, sitting down and talking to the director. I still remember the look on her face when I said, well, they said that you should be getting a nurse, to which she kind of chuckled and was like, yeah, you know, we've heard that before. And so I kind of slyly opened my little folder and I 
took out a piece of paper and I put it on her desk and I kind of slid it across to her. It was a printout of the email that guaranteed me a nurse for my daughter. I told her, well, I can get you the POC's information so you can call her and, you know, you guys can work out the details. And so I did. I still didn't understand what a big deal this was. But when it came time for my daughter to start attending the center, everybody at the center had to uh, attend a diabetes training. And so as me and my daughter show up, I realize that we have visitors. There are about seven Army public health nurses from across the globe in this room to watch, to learn, to understand. I was intrigued, but I didn't quite get it until that I heard we were the first to do it. We were the first ones to successfully stick out the ETP process and get a nurse. Now let's be clear. The center didn't get a nurse. My daughter got a nurse. Her whole job was to make sure that my daughter was good while she was in care. So any day that she was in care, whether it be before school or after school or whole day, she was there. We were even able to get a second nurse so that the first could take days off. Um, We went through about two main nurses before we found the one. Her name was Erica. She's amazing, by the way, and we still keep in contact to this day. Anyway, the work we did with one child caused a ripple effect in the way that the entire army does business, with this process being replicated everywhere now. So how do I repay an organization that does right by my babies? I volunteer for them. So I'm actually the parent advisory board president for the CYS here at The Great Place. It's an elected role where I get to help other parents advocate for themselves, help the staff make improvements for our children, and overall be a part of the team that guarantees that myself and so many others are able to do our jobs effectively every day. So by telling you this story, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to let you know that one, the impact that you intend to make isn't always the one that's made. And two, when you realize that there is a way where you can make an impact, you should. So I hope that you are getting out and you're volunteering in the community that means the most to you.